Well, we're in the middle of a series, Jesus First. Are you guys loving this series? I'm loving this series. I thought, what a great way to step into a brand new year that if I did not previously put Christ first in my decision-making, my, my life, my heart, this is a great reboot. How many of you know, no, we don't just get one fresh start, two fresh starts, three. We get them over and over again, and I'm so thankful for that. And so today I want to talk to you on seek first. Seek first. If y'all don't have Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 memorized yet, <laughs> come on, we've been in it for six or seven weeks, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. Now, I want to show you the big picture of this scripture. Because oftentimes when we read scriptures, we somehow experience it and imagine it in our mind that Jesus is talking to a certain group of people. So when Jesus says, seek first the kingdom and his, or seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you as well, I want you to know who Jesus was speaking to. See, Jesus had actually got together, well, a really big crowd followed Jesus. Not just 10 people, not just 20 people. We're talking hundreds and hundreds, even up to the thousands, were gathering to hear Jesus talk. This is where we see the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus was continuing talking to just ordinary people. Sure, there were a handful of religious folks in there that were mainly checking to see if his doctrine was right or if he was speaking the law, but there were ordinary people like you and me. People who had daily cares like you and me. And I want us to see that although Jesus was addressing the crowd, it was as if Jesus was addressing me. Have you ever had that in church? Where I'm with a crowd, I'm with a multitude, but it feels like the Lord is just speaking to me. Have you ever felt that way? So I want you to imagine Jesus, and they didn't have a, a fancy place like this, right? He was out in a field. People had camped out just to be near where they thought Jesus was going to show up. Who is this radical Messiah? Who is this rabbi, this teacher who is saying things that don't make sense and they're so off the cuff, but man, I'm interested. And so imagine the multitude, but imagine being someone just leaning in and hearing what God has to say when he tells you, therefore, do not worry about your life. What you drink, what you eat, or what the clothes that you will wear, isn't life more than food, more than drink, and more than clothes? He goes on to say, look at the birds of the air. They don't, they don't reap or sow or store in barns, but your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable than they? So again, imagine just you're sitting and you're listening to Jesus. There's no microphone. You are, you are leaning in and he just told you, I feed the birds of the air. They don't do anything to earn it. And yet I take care of them. Aren't you more valuable than they? He goes on to say, who adds a single hour to your life by worrying? From there, he begins to speak. And what about your clothes? Do not worry about what you will wear. Now hear me, they weren't worrying about what I wear. Does it on Pinterest? They weren't worrying about what I wear, is it trending right now, or did I get it on sale? This was their livelihood, friends. What they ate, what they drank, what they wore was, am I going to survive? And the Lord says, look at the lilies of the field. Jesus is looking at them. Remember, it's the multitude and me. Kelly, it's if Jesus is saying, look at the lilies of the field. 
and look how beautifully and wonderfully they are clothed. They don't toil or spin for that. They're, they could be here in one day and thrown into the fire the next day. And even Solomon, Solomon was the richest man to ever walk the earth. Even Solomon in all of his splendor is not clothed like those beautiful flowers in the fields. And if I clothe them, how much more will I clothe you? Amen. So imagine being someone just like them who walked in with some cares and then instead of telling you what you need to do to earn something, instead of being like a religious leader that they're used to hearing saying, well, if you're in a bad situation, you probably did something to deserve it or your father or your mother did something to deserve it and you're walking in the fruits of their curses. And yet here's Jesus humble. The Bible tells us he was an ordinary looking man. And he's talking to ordinary people saying, I know what you came in caring about, but I care for you so much that your heavenly father already knows what you need. Amen? Amen. He goes on to say that these things, they dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows your needs. So I want to ask you, well, first, isn't it true that too often our thoughts what dominates our minds, it takes the rightful place of first, doesn't it? Too often what dominates our minds steals God's rightful place as first. So I want to ask you not to try to stir up anything or get emotions going, but what thoughts dominated your mind this morning? If you're like me and you wake up before your alarm gets off, don't you hate that, by the way? I don't feel good about that ever. I feel like I've been robbed. <laughs> But I wake up before my alarm goes off and I can't go back to bed because immediately my mind goes on. And I'm already worrying and planning and strategizing what my day is going to look like. So I know that when you were getting ready this morning, maybe in the shower, maybe in the car ride over here, there's things that dominate our minds. But hear me, if they are these things, the cares that God promises he will already talk about, you have a promise for those. So anytime I find myself in a place where something is dominating my thought life, I ask, what does God say about this? And if you're wondering about your livelihood, the food in your belly, what you will drink, what you will wear, the Lord says, I have promises with that. And the promise is, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. When Jesus said, they shall be added, it is implied as a matter of course, meaning that when we do this, this is the course that happens. That the seekers of the kingdom and its righteousness, they're going to have their proper and primary portion. Meaning that these needs are going to be met. The rest of these things is going to be their gracious reward for not seeking them. Now let me, let me explain what that means. I want to give you an example of Solomon. Because Solomon was David's son. In fact, Solomon was the, the son of him and Bathsheba. Bathsheba was the woman who he took as a wife who was not his wife. And they ended up two pregnancies later having Solomon. And Solomon was made king. And God had asked Solomon this. That night God appeared to Solomon and said, what do you want? Ask and I will give it to you. Solomon said, give me the wisdom and knowledge to lead your people properly. For who could possibly govern this great people of yours? He knew he was going to be king. And God said, ask anything and it's yours. He said, give me wisdom and knowledge to govern your people. Can I share with you, friends, that what we seek for, it reveals what we really want. 
what we're looking for, what we're after, it shows what we really want. And I love this because God said this to Solomon. He said, because your greatest desire is to help your people and you did not ask for wealth, riches, fame, or even the death of your enemies or a long life, but you rather you ask for wisdom and knowledge to properly govern my people, next, I will certainly give you the wisdom and knowledge you requested, but, right? Don't worry about these things, but seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. You asked for wisdom and knowledge, but I will also give you wealth, riches, and fame, such as no other king has had before you or will ever have in the future. Friends, this is the example that God is able to graciously reward those who do not seek these things. To graciously reward. As we seek after God, his kingdom, and his righteousness, as we place him first in our lives, and we are not seeking to hustle, we're not seeking to get, we're just seeking to be with him and to know his will and to love him and to be loved by him, that my primary portion is covered, but my God is also able to graciously reward me. And hear me, friends, it sometimes happens. I remember back in 2019, your girl drove a Chevy Impala. Come on, somebody. I rolled up here every Sunday in my Chevy Impala. Now, a Chevy Impala can be two things. It can be a grandma car or it can be a gangster car. Have you seen the size of that trunk? I had no problem setting up a portable church because half that church could fit in my trunk. But I also had the wood paneling because it was your grandmother's car that we bought from her. <laughs> so I was half grandma, half gangster in my Chevy Impala. And I drove that thing for years, for years. I drove it so long because I have the motto, I drive it till it dies, baby, right? It's paid for, I'm driving it till it dies. And I remember going to the mechanic because <laughs> Stacy, who is our sound person here, was scared to run church errands with me because my car was like da 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 And I'm like trying to tell her, which really I was lying, we're gonna be okay, Stacy. <laughs> we're gonna get it to where we need to be. But I took it to the mechanic because nobody wanted to ride with me like this. I found myself doing way too many church things on my own in my Impala. And I go to the mechanic and the mechanic said, I cannot fix your car. It is not worth fixing. You need to trash it. I was like, huh. I went to another mechanic. You need to trash your car. It's done. It's not worth it. Sell it for parts. Well, I needed a vehicle. And I knew that the Lord knew that I needed a vehicle. And so I began looking online, and I have excellent credit, and I saw that Chevy was having a sale, and I could get a car for under $20,000, and I was stoked at 0% APR, y'all. That was great. 0% APR. And I go to Chevy, and we find out, oh, they don't have any more of that deal car, of course, because it went quick, right? But we've got this demo car. And the demo car is the car that you give out when someone is having their car repaired at Chevy. And so it had so many miles on it. And I was like sitting in the back of this demo car as the salesperson is there, my son is there, my husband's driving the car. And I said, God, if this is what's for me, I'll take it. I'm grateful. And I go into the man, and it was nothing. It was the, I still had to roll down my window. <laughs> right, nothing was automatic, it, but I'm, I'm okay. This fits my budget. I can do it. And I go into the, the man's office and he tells me the price tag. I go, awesome. And the 0% APR. I've got excellent credit. And he goes, oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. You can't have this and that. If you want the sales price, your APR is going to be a minimum 10%. I said, with, with my credit? 
And so I said, well, what about with the 0% APR? That ticket went up $12,000. I was like, huh. He goes, well, let me go talk to my manager, right? See what I can do. And I'm like, well, let me talk to my manager. And I just sat there for a second thinking, and all of a sudden, I kid you not, I heard Hyundai. Hyundai. You understand, I'm in a completely different part of town than what I'm from. I'm in Southwest, and I found myself in Centennial. And I said, Hyundai, it is raining outside. I remember it was pouring rain. And I get on my phone, and I go to Hyundai.com, and it pulls up Centennial Hyundai's right next to me. And there it was, my dream car at the time, a Hyundai Santa Fe. That was marked down, no joke, $12,000 below MSRP. And so hold on, it gets better, it gets better, friends. I go there in the rain, and I said, excuse me, Mr. Chevy, I'll come back if I need to, but I'm heading over to Hyundai, because the Lord told me. I go over to Hyundai. I show the salesman, I want this car. He goes, we've got that car. Pulls it up. And we're about there ready to sign the papers. This is, I'm like, I have heard that people have been at car places for 10 hours. You spend a whole day. Y'all had been there for 20 minutes, and I had my paperwork. And then the general manager comes to me and says, Miss Bosma, I'm so sorry. What you saw online was a typo. And that is severely marked down. And there is no way that we could sell you this car for this price. Your girl screenshot it, man. I was like, but I saw this. <laughs> and I go, well, what can I do? He goes, we have another brand new vehicle that we're going to bring all these things down. And we're going to give you 0% APR at the same time. And so I walked in with my son rang the dong, dong, right? Walked into the office. And the man sitting across from me, the finance man says, you robbed us, Miss Bosma. I said, what do you mean? He goes, we are only getting Hyundai's credit for this vehicle. We're made, we made $250 manufacturer credit off your vehicle. You robbed us. I've never seen a deal go through this at all. Right? That was an example of I am able to graciously reward you when you don't seek those things. It's not because I deserved it, you guys. I, I am no more special than you. It literally felt like a, just a sweet kiss from heaven that my God loves me, he sees me, and, and he rewarded me for not seeking after those things. I didn't care if I had a demo or if I had a brand new car. I just wanted wheels that worked, and I wanted it to be of value based on my stewardship and faithfulness. And it was just the coolest thing to drive that. And I'm going to drive it till it dies. Amen? But the question is, okay, so seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's awesome. But how do we seek God? How do we seek God? See, seek means to be in search of. It's to go in search of. You're looking for something. You're searching after something. It takes action and heart and mind that I am going to look with the, with the expectation, come on, that I'm going to find. See, seeking cannot be based on passion, solely on passion, because passion fades. It fades. And hear me, during that 21 days of prayer and fasting, we had a lot of passion, huh? But that passion can fade. To all my couples in the room, Jeremy and I love speaking at marriage conferences, and we will tell you statistically, passion fades. It fades. That awesome physical connection that you had in the early days, that will no longer be your foundation in your relationship. It has to also be intimacy 
and commitment. And so hear me, passion cannot be the solely reason that we're seeking because that passion will fade. To seek God is to be in search of him daily. Daily I'm looking for the Lord. When I wake up, I'm looking for the Lord. And what do you want to do in this Sunday, Lord? Daily. And so let me make it real practical. I love this about our church. We are very spiritual. We believe, come on, and swimming in the deep end. But we also believe that we got to take people along on that. And so we love to give practical ways at Avenue on how do I put this into practice. Because if we don't give practical ways, friends, your Bible will stay on your bookshelf. It won't be in your lap. It won't be being devoured. We want to help you take a relationship from the Lord with the Lord. That should be, you know, that's stuck away on a shelf. And we wanted to bring it into your heart and into your life because you can do it. So six ways to seek God daily. Six ways. Pray. 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 Disciples ask Jesus, how do we pray? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. It starts with praise. Thank you, God, for who you are. You are righteous, just. You are love. I praise you for being my provider. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Do you see what I'm saying? Forgive us our trespasses and we forgive those who trespass us. It's believing for provision. It's believing his will to be done, not just my own. It's forgive me, God, for what I have done and help me to forgive those who've trespassed against us. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. For yours, God, is the kingdom. Yours is the glory and the power forever. Amen. Jesus, if the disciples had to ask how to pray, we should ask how to pray. And it's praise. It's gratefulness. It's your will, God. It doesn't have to be eloquent. It could be, hey, yo, God. <laughs> Love you, Lord. It's me. I've had those conversations. I'm not too happy right now, but I'm here, Lord. Let's have a conversation. We need to pray. It doesn't have to be for an hour. Try five minutes. Try waking up in the morning and before you hit the coffee pot, Father, thank you for giving me breath this morning. Even though I got to brush it. Come on, somebody. It's a big thing in my house. Pray. Talk to him. Focus on Jesus. Focus your search on Jesus. So if I'm looking, if I'm looking for God, the Bible tells us in, in Colossians 1.15 that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So as I'm searching for Jesus and I'm focusing my search on who he is, what is his character? Who is God? Look in the Gospels. Search for Jesus. I love watching The Chosen. Is anyone watching Chosen? Chosen is so awesome. If you have not heard about Chosen, it is an incredible mini-series put together to show the life of Jesus through the context of scriptures. It's amazing. I love watching that show and opening up my Bible and seeing the same parables or the same interactions. It is the coolest thing. I love that at Crave, we're talking about the character of God tonight. What are his attributes, his traits? Find out who God is. Search and focus on Jesus, but also read the Bible. Read the Bible. Guys, if King James, thou does not work for you, for thy, then, then do. Change the translation. You are not less holy because you're reading a modern translation. I love the new living translation. Why? Because it makes sense. And so I don't have to translate it myself. I can read it and understand it. The Bible was never meant to be something that you could not interact with. 
And so find a translation. I love it. You don't even have to buy a Bible. You can download the Version free app and you could read it in any translation right there on your phone. Read his word. How does my faith grow? By hearing of the word of God. I love reading my Bible. Jesus is the word and the word was with God and I, I love spending time with him in his word. Ask questions. Now you may have grown up in a religion where you where it was frowned upon to ask questions. Maybe asking questions wasn't encouraged, but I won't, I'll never forget it. I remember being 18 years old, about to turn 19, and I had just given my life to Jesus like six months before. And I was reading my Bible, I had a big old thick study Bible, I had index cards anytime that I saw a scripture that I really, really loved. We didn't have technology. I didn't have an iPad or a phone where I could copy something. I had to write it on a three by five index card. They still sell those, like at Walmart. And so I would, yeah, say it, seriously. I would highlight it and I'd put it in a little basket where cards, that scriptures that mattered to me. I do it all the time. But I remember I got to the book of Acts and I read about this thing called Pentecost. And that the Holy Spirit came on them like tongues of fire and people began to speak in unknown languages. And I had questions, friends. I read Acts chapter one, I read Acts chapter two. I saw that Peter, who had just denied Christ before the crucifixion, who could not stand in boldness and confront those who were saying, do you know Jesus? He couldn't say, yes, I'm a follower of Christ. He said, no, I don't know him, I don't know him. I knew that Peter because I had just read the Gospels, but now I'm in Acts, and here is Peter boldly saying, you crucified Jesus. You crucified the living God. Repent. Ask for forgiveness. Take on the life and salvation that Jesus has to offer. And 3,000 people got saved. So I was curious, what happened to denying Jesus, Peter, to now preaching Peter and 3,000 people get saved? Does it have to do with that fire thing? Right? I asked questions. And then I went to a friend. Talk to people who love and follow Jesus. Do you know how excited? Lachey, you and I had coffee for over two hours the other week. Two hours. Why? Because I loved talking Jesus with Lachey. I was so encouraged in my spirit that we are seeing the hands and just the, the love of God working in each other's lives and just dreaming what God could do in the future for others. I love talking about Jesus with people who love and follow Jesus. And I remember I went to somebody with that Acts chapter one and two question. I said, explain this. He said, that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then lo and behold, a week later, we prayed and I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Ask questions. Get around people. That's why I love Rooted. That's why I love small groups because every week for a, a certain amount of time, you are going to dedicate to talking to people about Jesus, talking to people who love the Lord. Hear me, who aren't perfect. This is what I love about Rooted. You're going to go with imperfect people. You're imperfect. They're imperfect. And you're going to go have some conversations about a perfect God. So don't feel like you've got to have a Bible degree before you go sit down and open a book and talk about Jesus. Rooted is the most non-judgmental, non-judgmental experience I have ever walked through in my life. I love Rooted. I love small groups. Have conversations, friends, and then journal. Journal. 
That is some of the best time. You know what journaling does? It forces you to think. It forces you to be still and to write down some things that you are, are walking through. I've got journals. My single days, there was a lot more journals because I was praying for somebody. <laughs> Lord, help me stay pure. I'm waiting for my husband. Amen. Anyways, he came. Here's the beautiful thing. Here's the beautiful thing. And I stayed pure. <laughs> but God wants to be found. He wants to be found. I remember playing hide-and-go-seek. And hear me, as an adult, I still play hide-and-go-seek. I think it's the best game in the world. I'm just larger and it's harder to hide. But I remember when Levi was little. And when you're little, you can fit in the best places. Like I was a mom who was jealous of the size of my four-year-old child because he could fit under a cabinet. I couldn't squeeze under a cabinet and that would be an awesome hiding spot. But Levi would love to hide. But the moment that you, he knew that you were around, he's like, I'm here. Or he just wanted to be found. And it wasn't because he was scared. It wasn't because he was bored. He was just so excited to be interacting with you. Do you know that God is not playing a game of hide and seek with you? He's not trying to not be found. He's not trying to look for the best spot that could stay a couple of rounds if you play that way. But he's not looking to not be found. He wants to be found. He wants to be found. So if you've ever been frustrated, God, I, I, I want to find you. He's there. And it shouldn't be that hard, I promise you. For I know the plans I have for you. We love this scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11. You might have it on a coffee cup, right? I have it on artwork in my dining room. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and to harm you. Or not to harm you. Whew, let's not say that. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And that's a promise. But so often we stop there, right? I don't see the other part of the scripture on the other side of the coffee cup. I only had this on my artwork, but I feel that the next set of scriptures, it's a, they go together. They have to be together. It says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. You will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Friends, it doesn't have to be a perfect heart. It doesn't have to be a heart that has it all together. It doesn't have to be a heart that dots every I and crosses every T. He just wants you. And so we don't seek to get, we seek to find, knowing that my God provides those things. So I wanna ask you, what would happen if we sought God with our whole heart? Think about that for just a minute. What would happen if I were to seek God with all of my heart? Whew. I think of Jacob. And hear me, Jacob was not always a kind person. Jacob was deceptive. Jacob was selfish. But Jacob had this moment with God. The Bible describes it as he wrestled a whole night with God. And he would not let God go until he blessed him. I will not let you go until you bless me. For me, when I read the story of Jacob, I see someone who is seeking after God with all of his heart, all of his mind, all of his soul. He was not going to leave that moment 
without leaving it all on the table. And what did God do? God blessed him. He changed his name from Jacob to Israel. And God fulfilled his promise to Abraham through Isaac and Jacob and Jacob's family. He met with God. What about Elisha? We learned about him a few weeks ago. That with all of his heart, he knew that one day God was going to call him to the ministry. He didn't know when. He didn't know how. But the moment Elijah the prophet threw that mantle on him, Elisha burned his plow and he followed him. He followed him with what? All of his heart. What about Hannah? Hannah who was barren and could not have a child. Each year she would go to the temple to give sacrifices to God, to pray and to, to just serve the Lord. And one day with all of her heart, she poured out her tears. God bless me with a child. She put it all out there so much so that the people around her thought that she had to be intoxicated to be praying like that. But she did it with all of her heart. And what did God do? God blessed her with a son. And she said, Lord, I will dedicate him back to you. And that is Samuel. God called Samuel to himself because his mother dedicated him to the Lord. One night, Samuel, as he was of age and he was learning what it meant to serve the Lord as a prophet, as a priest, the Holy Spirit began to speak to him, Samuel, Samuel. And the moment that he figured out that it was the voice of the Lord with all his heart, he said, yes, Lord, here am I. Think of Elizabeth, who old in age, God said, I'm going to bless you with a child. And that child is going to prepare the way of the Lord. That child was John the Baptist. Do you know with all her heart, she said, look at the kindness of God that has been put on my life. Friends, what would happen if we sought Jesus with all of our heart? Think of James and John, successful fishermen. Their father was a fisherman. They were a fisherman. They knew what they were doing. They were familiar with what they did every day. And then Jesus came and said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. With all their heart, they followed Jesus. What would happen in our lives if we sought him with all of our heart. Mm. This is what I love about being a Christian. It's because yes, Jesus died for the one. It took one son of God, only one. He is our salvation. It took one perfect and blameless sacrifice to cover the sins of the world, of you and I. It's on Jesus. That shows me that look what God can do through one life. So as one person in a family chooses to seek Jesus with all of their heart, can you imagine the ripple effects that will happen in their lives? What would happen if a small group started seeking Jesus with all of their heart? What would happen to that neighborhood? Come on, somebody. I'm believing that a house is going to be so passionate, so committed to the things of God that neighbors are going to be saying, why are all these cars rolling up? We're seeing it in Asbury College right now in Kentucky. The Spirit of God is moving, and there are lines of people lining up because they want to be where the presence of God is. It's all because a couple college students decided to seek Him with all of their heart. What would happen if our church in Las Vegas, Nevada, unanimously, united, 
sought the Lord with all of our hearts. Jesus, it'd be amazing. And so what I want us to do right now is stand. Because I think one of the greatest ways to position our heart as a gift to Jesus is through worship. And we're gonna sing this song, Seek First the Kingdom and all will be added. And I would love for you that as you raise your hands, as you lift your voices, that God, I'm searching for you. God, I'm searching for you and you want to be found. Father, I'm giving you a heart and I'm asking you, help me to give you my whole heart. I love it, even in the Bible, some of you may think, ooh, Jesus don't want this heart. I love that it is recorded in scripture that King Saul, before he ever became a king, before he ever stepped into all that God had for him, God took his old heart and placed in him a new heart. And so if God needs to do some spiritual surgery on us today, I can't think of a better place than worship. And so I just ask you, open your arms, that Father, I am surrendering to you. I am choosing to seek you first, believing, come on that all will be added. Can we sing that, Abby?